hope. Hope is what this game gave me. I have had hope for this Kings team a few times, you know, two years ago, maybe the year before that, the year before that. But this time does feel different. This game gave me hope because it, it wasn't a pretty win. Kings won 120-114 against the, a bad Lakers team that is now 2-10 on the season. But the reason that this game gives me hope is because, because not every win needs to be pretty. And not every win is going to be pretty. And this was one of those ugly, ugly wins. It was not a fun game to watch. The defense was not good against a bad Lakers offense. But at the end of the day, it's all about the win. And the Kings were able to come away with that in large part due to De'Aaron Fox. Late game heroics, like we've seen many times before. But this time, it's different because he has the team around him to get him into those positions more often than ever before. DeMontis Sabonis is one of those guys that got him into those positions. DeMontis Sabonis was also great in this game and allowed the game to be close so that Fox could finish it off. It would have been nice for the Kings to get a, a clean victory, a blowout victory, one where I didn't have to be stressed the whole time. But they haven't done that at all this season. But if you can grit out, if you grit out every single one of your wins and you win half your games, then that's the same as blowing people out in half your games and then losing the other half. It doesn't matter. And when all this team really wants to do is make the playoffs, then you don't need to do anything else. You don't need to blow people out. You know, this team, it, we're not looking to win a championship this season. We're looking to make the playoffs. And that's what wins like this will do for you. Beating the bad teams on days where you don't play well. Because this was the Kings' probably worst game of the season. They didn't shoot the ball well. They Their defense was non-existent. But their talent showed through. The start of the game, the offense was stagnant. It, it just, no one could hit a shot. We were getting open shots because the Lakers, although they started the season well in defense, their defense has not been good as of late. And their defense was not good at the start of this game, but we just couldn't make shots. And then we started settling for threes too much. Didn't attack enough. And Fox was not really trying to score at all at the start of the game. And Sabonis was the guy keeping us in it, in it early, along with Barnes, who had a few aggressive plays early in this game. The Lakers didn't have much better of a start, which is why we were still in the game. So against a, a better team, I mean, we would have been down 15, 20 points if we played like that. But because it's the Lakers, it was maybe 13 points at one time. I know it was at least 11-point deficit at one time, but it never felt like it was going to get away because the Lakers just aren't good enough for that. And the Lakers 
hitting every shot and the Kings hitting no shots and still only being down four at halftime was extremely encouraging for how the rest of the game would go. I never lost confidence that we would win this game because I knew things would even out, hopefully, eventually, and they did even out in the shooting percentage department enough for the Kings to get this win. The, the Lakers are the worst three-point shooting team in the league, but guys like Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, Juan Toscano, Anderson were hitting threes. And but that's what happens when you leave guys wide open. But Westbrook was hitting unusual threes for him. But I thought the the part where the defense was especially bad was in the pick and roll. Um, Sabonis got exposed a few times, and he had foul trouble. Um, but it the when it was the worst was when Chemezi Metu was in the game, and Anthony Davis wasn't even in the game. Russell Westbrook was in the game, and he was running pick and roll with Wenyan Gabriel. And they were killing us in the third quarter. Or actually, that might have been the fourth quarter, the start of the fourth quarter when Anthony Davis wasn't in. And that's just not acceptable. You can't be getting killed by Wenyan Gabriel in pick and roll. You have to figure out a way to... Stop that, mostly when Westbrook's not a shooter, even if he had been shooting well. When he's in pick and roll, you can let you can go under, you can let him shoot. And Anthony Davis was at times doing a good job of attacking DeMontis Sabonis, and he did get him into foul trouble. But the adjustment that I liked to see from the Kings was that they went to Sabonis was still guarding Anthony Davis. Well, some context here is that earlier in the game, they tried Harrison Barnes on Anthony Davis, and it worked okay. And then they went back to Sabonis on Anthony Davis. But what I really liked at the end of this game was they put Barnes on Westbrook. And what that allowed the Kings to do is when Anthony Davis would come up and set a screen for Westbrook, which is all the Lakers wanted to do late in that game, the Kings could then switch. Sabonis could guard Westbrook, which wasn't really a problem because Westbrook doesn't want to shoot, even though he shot well. But Sabonis could just back off. Barnes was on Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis wanted that switch every time, and the Kings were kind of baiting them into it. And Anthony Davis would get the ball in the post and then immediately get double teamed, have to give it up. And because the Lakers don't have shooters surrounding those two guys, then nothing would really happen offensively for the Lakers. And that was the one adjustment I liked that led to some defensive stops from the Kings. Talking more about the defense, Harrison Barnes was a lot better defensively in this game than he has been throughout the season. And I have to give him props for that because I have been hating on him a little bit or a lot throughout the season for his defense. He was a lot better in this game. I, I didn't really even see him get beat at all. Um, Kevin Herter still gets driven by way too easily. But what I did like from him, and that he, a thing he's been doing all season, 
is he has the length, so he can block guys in the paint. Keegan Murray does a good job of this, too, that even when they get drove by, they can still contest the shot in the paint and get blocks. It would be nice if they didn't let them, you know, drive straight line drives that easily all the time, but at least they can recover and get blocks, both Herder and Murray. I thought Davion was really good defensively in this game. As per usual, he drew a few offensive fouls, as did Malik Monk. He drew one. And the thing I got to say about Malik Monk is I've noticed he is by far the best flopper on this team. You know, I'm not saying it wasn't a foul, but Malik Monk definitely is good at exaggerating contact and throwing his head back when a guy has his arms out towards him, and he's good at uh, drawing those calls. The bench offense in this one was pretty stagnant, and we lost the bench battle pretty substantially. Um, there's just not much movement from the offense. A lot of passing around the perimeter. A lot of what we saw in the first four games of the season. But Terrence Davis did come off the bench and give really good minutes. He finally found his three-point shot. Went two for four from three. In 13 minutes, he had 12 points. Uh, so I really liked what he gave offensively because he wasn't just settling for, for threes. Late in that game... Not super late, but while he was still in in the fourth quarter, he was driving to the basket and made some layups. That was huge. And the bench was just off. Trey Lyles couldn't hit a shot. Um, Davion's offense wasn't really there. And Malik wasn't as good as he had been in the previous couple games. And But saying all that, they still were able to pick up the win. Uh, Herder hit some threes, you know, did what you expect them to do offensively. And, but Keegan Murray really wasn't there offensively and Barnes wasn't there offensively in the, in the second half. So really it was just Fox and Sabonis. And that was it. Sabonis did a really, had a really good game. He's been so solid. 21 points, six assists, 10 rebounds. And he was just really good in the paint. And honestly, he could have had way more if guys like Kevin Herter just knew how to pass to him in the paint. That's one weird thing about Kevin Herter. Like, I, I love when Kevin Herter is shooting the ball on offense. Just shooting threes, shooting mid-range, shooting, you know, off the dribble. Doesn't matter. Just shoot the ball. Don't pass the ball because he's just not a good passer at all. There was, in the third quarter, in a stretch... One stretch of like three possessions alone. Actually, it was two possessions alone. He had three bad passes. And then he had another bad pass in the fourth quarter. Not all of them led to turnovers, thankfully. But it, it was not good. And speaking of bad passes, there was definitely some bad decision making in the first half when the Lakers were going on a run and the Kings were turning over the ball a lot. They had 15 turnovers in this game. I would have liked to see them make a concerted effort to not turn the ball over, but they came out of a timeout after turning the ball over like three times, and De'Aaron immediately threw a full-court pass that got intercepted. And it's like, what are you doing? you got to be smarter than that. But back to Sabonis. Sabonis is a guy who really doesn't make bad passes, and he is just so good at facilitating the offense. 
But one thing that I liked to see late in this game was a lot more Fox Sabonis pick and roll. Because, yeah, you can operate with Sabonis as kind of the hub of the offense for most of the game. But when it comes down to crunch time, the most effective way to score and get your stars involved is just have them run pick and roll with each other. And it frees up so much room from Fox, especially when you have a guy like Russell Westbrook guarding Fox and just bad, bad defense from the Lakers. Fox was getting open every time. And even the times he didn't get open, he would just shoot over whoever was in his way and make the shot. But he was getting open so often that I liked us running a lot of pick and roll down the stretch, which I think we need to do more of in the future. Don't need to do it all throughout the game, but it would be nice to go to that when we need a bucket. You know, when the other team is making a run, go to that pick and roll because I think it's super effective. De'Aaron was just incredible in this game. He had 32 points, 12 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals. He was doing it on the defensive end. He was doing it on the offensive end. And this was just a classic De'Aaron takeover game that we've seen so many times. There's this weird narrative that I've heard in the national media that De'Aaron isn't clutch. And that's just so odd to me. There there are a few players in the league that I think have gotten like the narrative that they're not clutch, Steph Curry being one of them, when it's just like so obviously not true. And with De'Aaron, it's just so obviously not the case. He De'Aaron has been clutch his entire career. He was hitting game winners in his rookie season. It's what the dude does. And he did it again. And this was one of the the crazier performances I've seen just from the difficulty of shot that he was hitting over guys like Anthony Davis, who are just so long and he was just shooting right over him with incredible turnarounds and just hitting nothing but net. Every single one was a swish effortless. He just looked effortless out there in the mid range, which is where he does his work. And that's what great players do is they dominate the mid-range late in games. That's what clutch players do most of the time, unless your name is Steph Curry. But guys like, you know, LeBron, Kawhi, KD, every single one of the guys that are closers go to that mid-range because at the end of the game, you can throw all the, you know, analytics and efficiency out the window. At the end of the game, you just need to go to what, whatever your star is most comfortable with and whatever shot is going to go in. <laughs> you know, throughout the whole game, you can play the percentages and shoot a bunch of threes or get layups, you know, because that's what analytics tells you to do. And that's the highest percentage, you know, shots, points per shot. But at the end of the game, it doesn't really matter, mostly in a tie game. It doesn't matter if you get three or two, right? You just need to get the score. And that's what De'Aaron did in the mid-range in this game. Uh, something that I, I forgot to touch on about uh, the Kings' poor defense was rebounding. Yeah. The Lakers do not run a big lineup, but they were getting so many offensive rebounds. With 14 offensive rebounds, 
Like, I was fine with it against the Cavs. It's like, yeah, the Cavs, such a big lineup. They're going to get offensive rebounds. Not much you can do about it. But against the Lakers, just the type of offensive rebound they were giving up where it would just like, sometimes it would just drop to the floor, you know, and no one would get a hand on it. Or they would get like five chances in a row like they did in the fourth quarter and then get a foul call, even though it was Anthony Davis that fouled Russell Westbrook, not a king, but just way too many offensive rebounds given up. And it's something the Kings need to improve upon. Too many times, guys either just watching the shot or running up the court or running towards the basket and then it just going over their head. You know, and it, you need to find the guy. Don't go towards the basket. Go towards your, your man that you're boxing out. And so that was frustrating. I thought the, the Kings in the middle of the game overcomplicated the offense. We're trying to be too cute with it. Too many, you know, silly passes. Too many getting to the lane and not taking the layup. And just like kind of jumping in the air and making a bad pass. And then at the end of the game, you know, that totally flipped, right? They went to the least complicated offense, which is what I talked about before. Just going to the pick and roll, the least complicated offense, and let your star go to work. But throughout the game, you know, it was just really too many turnovers, too much complicated offense, instead of just running what we normally run. Anyways, from this win, the Kings moved to 5-6, and six, which puts them in the 10th seed for now in the play-in game. And their next game is against the Warriors. Obviously, it's too early to be really looking at the standings, but I do it anyways. And the Warriors are the team right below the Kings in the standings. The Warriors are 5-7, and seven, Kings 5-6. and six. It's weird that the Kings play their next game against the Warriors, you know, already playing for the third time this season, and the, the next time they play them is like April 2nd or something, and which is, this, I believe, the second-to-last game of the season, so we won't see them for a while. Definitely odd, just like it's odd that we have already played our whole season series against the Heat. Um... And it also feels like the Warriors have been playing a lot of the same teams that we've played against. And then we're also playing against the Warriors a lot. It's just really weird scheduling. But anyways, we've lost both of the games to the Warriors, obviously, you know. Referees had a little to do with one of them. But hopefully we can finally get a win against the Warriors because it's been a while. Also, we, both the ones we lost were away games. This one will be at home. The Kings now play four straight teams, five if you include this game against the Lakers, against below 500 teams. And so this is really the stretch of the schedule where they can get over 500. And the nice thing is that they have, they've won five of the last seven, and some of them were, were against, you know, above 500 teams, I think. And um, the Kings are also 3-3 three and three on the road, which is nice. And they finally picked up a win against a Western Conference opponent, which they hadn't done yet this season. 
I don't have much to say about their upcoming game because it's just another game against the Warriors. We've already played two games against them. We kind of know what to expect. And uh, I just, I mean, I think we can win the game because their bench is bad, although they do have Dante DiVincenzo back, which will help them help them their bench because their bench is terrible. And, they, you know, they're playing guys like Ty Jerome and uh, guys like that, Anthony Lamb. And so that will help them, but hopefully Steph doesn't go for whatever he went for last time, you know, 47 or whatever. He did just go for 40 tonight against the Cavs. Again, Kings just played the Cavs, and the Cavs played the Warriors. Which isn't, you know, the the weirdest thing, because it's like, yeah, the Cavs are coming on their, you know, uh, West Coast tour. But it's weird when the Kings go somewhere on the road and then play the same teams as that the Warriors are playing on the road. That's when it's weird. You just gotta find a way to hold Steph Curry to, I don't know, under 35 points. Or, you know, right around his average. He's averaging like 32, 33 points, something like that. Hold him to his average, and I think we can win the game. Anyways, things are looking up. I have hope. After an 0-4 start, I didn't get worried, and I was, I think, right to not get worried because they are now 5-6, and six, almost to 500. Hopefully they will get there and get over 500 in the coming week or two. And yeah, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and leave a rating and a review if you are listening to the audio podcast. And I will see you to recap the game against the Warriors. Peace.